Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 13, recorded Sunday, September 1st, 2019. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Happy Labor Day weekend, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the holiday. Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cincerapino. Yes, it's Labor Day weekend, and the weather up here in Connecticut is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, We're having a great stretch of weather here, and it's good after a lot of the heat of uh, um, July and August. But the the weather's still in the uh, um, news. There's a big storm down in the... uh, uh, Bahamas right now, Hurricane Dorian looks like it's going to be pretty bad, and uh, we think it's going to affect the uh, islands pretty hard, and then uh, maybe the east coast of the United States. Uh, so we'll be watching it real closely here over the next few days and hope for the best. On a happy note, uh, I just want to pass on that Jill, um, one of our scuba shack uh, dive masters, has now completed her instructor course. She did uh, an IDC with the instructor exam down at Rainbow Wreath in Key Largo, and she's now all set to help us here at the shop uh, with some um, uh, instruction, and uh, she has some plans there to start looking at some of the adaptive techniques along with uh, maybe helping out some vets. Also, Jill passed along to me a couple of things there. One was uh, something called Eco T-Shirt, and it's billed as the softest T-Shirt that uh, cleans the ocean, and it's essentially made out of recycled plastic bottles. Essentially, they take four plastic bottles and make it into a T-Shirt. You can check those guys out online. Also, Jill pointed out to me again, I think I posted it in the blog, that uh, Connecticut has now banned plastic bags starting August 1st, 2019, with a phase-out completely by uh, June of uh, 2021. So it's kind of interesting to see it now as you go to the stores. We don't really need those plastic bags, so hopefully it'll help clean up the environment here in Connecticut a little bit. Uh, Sometimes government does help out. And I know a lot of times we know, sometimes it doesn't. In the first segment today, I want to talk about Enriched Air Nitrox, one of our most popular courses and one of Patty's most popular courses. Why? Because Enriched Air Nitrox gives you more no decompression time especially on repetitive dives. So the concept's pretty simple. Less nitrogen being absorbed, the better it is for our body. Here at Scuba Shack, like most of the places, we use e-learning for enriched air nitrox. So our students will complete the e-learning course before they come to the shop, and we complement that with a classroom session. And in the classroom, we talk a little bit more in-depth about the gas laws, about partial pressures, making sure that they understand what the 1.4 partial pressure of oxygen really means, and then really uh, talk about uh, what the maximum operating depth is, is all about. 
One of the things that I like to do in the class is show them the differences in no decompression limit. So what I'll do is first I'll start with the RDP and we'll list out all of the uh, no decompression limits according to Patty's recreational dive planner. We'll put those up on the board. Then uh, we'll have them use the Aqualung I-100 computer, which uh, we've incorporated into our normal open water class. So the students are already familiar with that particular uh, computer. We'll set it in the air mode, and then we'll go into the plan component of the dive computer and scroll through every 10 feet um, and get the no decompression limits from the computer for an air dive. So we'll compare the RDP on air with the I-100 on air. And they'll scroll through all the way up to 190 feet. So then what we do is we turn, uh, turn the computer over to the nitrox mode and set it to a 32% um, oxygen mix with a 1.4 partial pressure. And we'll go back into the plan mode and I'll have them start to scroll through and they'll start to see all the differences, especially as we go beyond 50, 60, 70 feet. And as they scroll through, what I'll have them note is you get to 110, and then what happens? Uh, the computer goes back to 30. It's kind of an aha moment for the students when they see, okay, now the computer is tracking my maximum operating depth. So why are we concerned about a maximum operating depth? Well, that's because of oxygen toxicity. And there's a great article in the Scuba Diving Magazine website um, in the Ask Dan section called What is Oxygen Toxicity and How Can Divers Avoid It? Talks about the two different types, pulmonary versus central nervous system toxicity. Pulmonary is really about the prolonged exposure that, uh, to oxygen, and really that's not common for scuba. So uh, you can read about that. There's a nice little description on that uh, in the article. But the central nervous system toxicity is what we really need to be concerned with. It can happen without warning, uh, with very short exposures to high partial pressures of oxygen. The article describes a little bit about the human nervous system and how it works and what happens when excess oxygen at high partial pressures bind with the nitric oxide in our cells. And that's what causes the convulsions. So read that article if you have a chance. One of the last things we do in the course is we will take the students out to the repair side of our shop and we kind of have a little bit of show and tell where we show them uh, our tank cleaning station, what we go through to prepare our tanks for partial pressure blending, uh, how we clean them, how we lubricate them. And then we take them over to the fill station and show them all the components within the fill station and uh, give them a little bit of a description on how we partial, partial pressure blend our, our nitrox. We conclude the class with an analysis of, of the tank. So every student knows that they must personally verify their contents of their tank, and we do it with them actually completing the analysis. At the shop, we use an inline analyzer, but that's not always what they're going to see. So we recently are bringing in uh, a different type of analyzer that we will have called the Analox O2E2 Pro. Uh, it's a portable nitrox analyzer can be easily taken on your dive trip, small, lightweight, rugged, uh, can use it in two different ways, either measure directly from the tank, uh, or you can hook it up to the low pressure inflator hose uh, on your BCD. 
the sensor is warranted for three years. It has a range of 0.1 to 100% oxygen with an accuracy of 0.2% O2. Uh, uses a 9-volt alkaline battery, uh, and the operating temperatures are between 23 and 122 degrees Fahrenheit, or minus 5 to 50 degrees Celsius, and it weighs only 8 ounces. So we're going to have that at the shop and uh, another tool in our arsenal. But Enriched Air Nitrox, one of Patty's most popular classes, and one that we recommend to all of our divers. I think we can all agree that marine life is under a lot of threats. A lot of threats from global warming, plastics, pollution. Well, there's another uh, type of threat that our marine life is under, uh, and that is noise pollution. And there was a short article um, on the Whale and Dolphin Conservation website, or us.whales.org, and it talked a little bit about noise pollution and how noise pollution chronically stresses whales and dolphins. Talks about how noise pollution interferes with their ability to stay together and find food. Uh, noisy ocean prevents them from doing this, and it can also damage their lungs and ears. Well, the WDC has a mission, and that mission is a world where every whale and dolphin is safe and free. And they talk about four areas that they're working in. One is end captivity. Can't believe that's happening. Two, stop whaling. Still can't believe that's happening. Uh, create healthy seas and prevent danger in fishing gear. Now, creating healthy seas talks about noise, oil, chemical, plastic, and rising sea temperatures. And one of the things that they're doing is working with uh, shipping companies to design engines with less noise. So you can check out the whale and dolphin conservation. Also, there's another website out there called wildwhales.org. And it's part of the BC Cetacean Sighting Network that was started way back in the 1970s. And if you look at it, there's a great poster on how ships create noise and the impacts that the, uh, that the noise has in finding prey, uh, resting, mating, navigating, communicating, and avoiding dangers. Now, one of the other things that I found on the uh, wildwhales.org website was a link to a video, and it was a preview of the Sonic Seas. And there's a website called sonicseas.org. But the uh, video is pretty powerful, and you can get it by going to Vimeo, and it's a $2.99 for the download. It is well worth it. It talks about, you know, all the different noise in the ocean and what it's doing. It's shipping, seismic, sonar. Now, having spent uh, a number of years in the Navy and having been a weapons officer on a uh, frigate, uh, I can tell you that a sonar is a very powerful thing, and it really is, is difficult to figure out um, whether we should use it or not, especially in peacetime or for training, especially when we see what it's doing to the, uh, to the animals out there. It's a pretty powerful video. 
Also, uh, it talks about, I didn't know this, but there are about 60,000 merchant ships or cargo ships on the ocean at any given time. And that's a lot of noise. So uh, you can go and check out that video. I would encourage you to do that. It's pretty powerful. Um, And there was a statement at the end of it that said, when you stop making noise, it goes away. Have you ever wondered where the term scuba came from? Well, I think many of us may believe that the term scuba was coined by Jacques Cousteau. Well, no, Jacques didn't coin the term scuba. His unit was called the Aqualung. Now, the term scuba was originated in a paper that was written in 1952. And that paper was written by Dr. Christian Lambertson and a colleague, Walter A. Hahn. The paper was written for the National Academy of Science and its publication, 274. It's titled, On Using Self-Contained Underwater Breathing Apparatus. Now, I became familiar with uh, Dr. Lambertson uh, when I was watching the movie Underwater Warriors. And in that movie, they were wearing a type of rebreather. The underwater demolition team was wearing uh, the Lambertson Amphibious Respiratory Unit, or LARU. Now, that was something that uh, Dr. Lambertson invented in 1939. Originally, he tried to sell it to the Navy, but uh, they rejected it for various reasons. But the Office of Strategic Services, which would morph into the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, thought that they could use it, and they adopted it in 1942. So uh, after a while, though, uh, the Navy did figure out that this was an important piece of gear for their underwater demolition team, so they incorporated it there. Well, this paper, uh, published in uh, 1952, was pretty impressive uh, for the time, and that's where the term scuba came from. And the, the report talks about the different types of scuba, open circuit, closed circuit, semi-closed circuit. It has uh, general techniques for underwater swimming, uh, care and loading of cylinders, uh, planning and controlling the underwater swim, It has some information on the physics of diving, the physiology of diving, and potential marine hazards. And then it talks a little bit more about training in the use of open-circuit scuba and training in the use of closed-circuit scuba. So I was able to find that that, uh, publication online and download it. It's a pretty interesting read and a lot of things that that we we actually still uh, adhere to today and talk about in, in a lot of our classes. Also, uh, this publication was part of, uh, also included in a broader uh, uh, publication that was put out, and it was a report on the Cooperative Underwater Swimming Project, which was something that was done in 1952 as well, and it was conducted by the Navy off of the uh, uh, coast of California, and really some interesting stuff in there. And uh, on using self-contained underwater breathing apparatus was an annex in that report, 
But also there was another annex in there, uh, Annex B, which was called a decompression gauge for underwater swimmers. It was kind of unique. The concept was how could they create an analog wrist-mounted gauge that would uh, allow people to understand how nitrogen was being loaded into their tissue. Kind of an interesting thing. So if you you have a chance to check out that cooperative underwater swimming project, Annex B, kind of some interesting stuff there. But again, the term scuba, not Jacques Cousteau, but uh, Christian Lambertson, along with Walter A. Hahn, who, term, who coined the term scuba. Well, that wraps up the uh, Labor Day weekend um, edition of Scuba Shack Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And again, I want to thank you all for listening and for everyone who's given me the encouragement uh, to keep on going. And if you have the opportunity, please give us a rating out there on your favorite podcast uh, uh, application. Or uh, if you go to the Scuba Shack Radio website, you can leave me some feedback there. So happy diving, everyone. There's still a lot of dive season to go. Take care. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.